Hello, and welcome to the world as we don't know it. My name is Jacob. And my name is Samira. What will be covered are topics related to foreign affairs, international politics, and world crises that Jacob and I come into the episode not knowing very much about. Our goal is to educate ourselves and the listener on what we think are important current day issues. Join us as we discuss the world as we don't know it. Today, we will discuss the Rohingya population in Burma. The Rohingya are an ethnic group in Burma. As Al Jazeera sums up nicely, they are an ethnic group, the majority of whom are Muslim, who have lived for centuries in the majority Buddhist Myanmar. Currently, there are about 1.1 million Rohingya in the Southeast Asian country. Nearly all the Rohingya in Myanmar live in the western coastal state of Rakhine and are not allowed to leave without government permission. It is one of the poorest states in the country with ghetto-like camps and a lack of basic services and opportunities. Shortly after Myanmar's independence from the British in 1948, the Union Citizenship Act was passed, defining which ethnicities could gain citizenship. According to a 2015 report by the International Human Rights Clinic at Yale Law School, the Rohingya were not included. The act, however, did allow those whose families had lived in Myanmar for at least two generations to apply for identity cards. After the killings of nine border police in October 2016, the government blamed what it claimed were fighters from an armed Rohingya group and troops started pouring into the villages of Rakhine State. A security crackdown on villages where Rohingya lived ensued, during which government troops were accused of an array of human rights abuses including extrajudicial killing, rape, and arson, allegations the government denied. First, we will take a look into the history of Burma slash Myanmar before we discuss the intricacies of the Rohingya population. And for those who do, do not know, um, Burma and Myanmar are the same country but go by different names uh, occasionally, depending on who you ask. The first thing to note is that there are two names for this country. For the purposes of the podcast, we are going to refer to it as Burma, and we'll discuss the significance of the names later on. According to the New Internationalist, civilization in Burma began around 3,500 years ago where the inhabitants were farming rice, raising livestock, and using bronze implements. In the 4th century, it adopted Buddhism. And today, over 80% of Burma's people are Buddhist, and the country has the largest number of monks as a percentage of the total population. Religion has played a very important part in the Rohingya crisis, as we will discuss later. In 1886, Burma became a colony under British rule, and then was incorporated as a province of India. The colonization led to growing resentment from the Burmese because Indians would take over many civil service positions and were fortifying the business interests of themselves and the Chinese. This resentment culminated to a series of protests in 1920, which Buddhist monks played a primary role in. Aung San was a law student who became a prominent speaker, along with his classmate Nu, for the movement called Takin, which means master. The New Internationalist put it nicely by saying that Burmese citizens wanted to be masters of their own destiny. Once the Second World War broke out, Great Britain separated the administration of Burma from India. This led to a nationalist surge in the country. Seeing the opportunity, Japan promised Burmese nationals military training and support. Burmese took the bait, but Japan instead invaded Burma. In May of 1945, the Japanese were driven out, but much of the country lay in ruin. This is all from the New Internationalist.
1947, Burmese leaders negotiated independence. However, in a meeting to draft the Dung Constitution to unite Burma, Aung San and several of his cabinet members were assassinated. New took over and drafted a constitution in 1948. However, they did not join the British Commonwealth. The 1950s were a mix of progress and regress. New attempted to unite the various ethnic states. However, insurgencies and civil wars arose, primarily in the north of the country, and also primarily in groups who opposed the government's Buddhist vision. Eventually, Nay Win staged a military coup in 1962 that eliminated democracy and began an era of military dictatorship. Essentially, the government turned into a harsh dictatorship where human rights violations reigned king and personal vendettas manifest, manifested into a purging of Indians from the country. Nay Win, the dictator, had a, had a business failing when he blamed the Indian, blamed, which he blamed on the Indian traders. He took this story to justify attacks against the Indian politicians. The country turned into a modern-day version of North Korea. Nguyen later admitted that his policies were not good, saying it was, quote, quote, it was like having caught hold of a tiger's tail. There was nothing else to do but hang on it, end quote. After a period of severe economic downfall in, in 1987, the military leader named Nguyen decided to step down. Many people saw this as an opportunity to seize democracy, including future leader and Nobel Pri uh, Peace Prize winner Aung San Suu Kyi who was the beloved daughter of Aung San. But the military imposed martial law and she was actually placed under house arrest. This military rule continued until 2011 when the junta was dissolved. An important thing to note about the military rule was that it changed the name of the country. When Britain incorporated the nation as a colony, its name became Burma. Once the military rule took over, however, the name changed to Myanmar. Many people reject the name Myanmar because it is associated with the harsh military rule, while others reject Burma because of its colonial ties. With the transition of power came a series of hopeful yet unfruitful developments in Burma. While it claims to be transitioning to a democratic nation, there is much evidence to the contrary. For example, many of the leaders of the military junta remain in high governmental positions. The appointment of Aung San Suu Kyi as a state councillor came with high hopes, but as we will hear later, uh, was a, an eventual big letdown in terms of the response to the Rohingya crisis. Now that we have learned a little about the history of Burma, let's see how the Rohingya population fits into the storyline. As we said, the Rohingya are an ethnic Muslim minority group living in the Rakhine state. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, they can trace their roots to the 15th century with a migration of a group of Muslims. While that is not as far back as the beginning of civilization, it shows that they do have a legitimate claim to the, to the land that they have been living on for six centuries. Even though they have this claim, the government was not keen on recognizing them as one of the 135 ethnic groups in Burma. Rather than seeing them as citizens of the same country, they see them as illegal immigrants primarily from Bangladesh. Because of this lack of recognition, the government also has ignored the level of development of the Rakhine state compared to the rest of Burma, with a poverty rate of 78% of the population compared to 37.5% for the whole nation of Burma. In 1982, the Citizenship Act failed to recognize the Rohingya as citizens, and they therefore became stateless. 
Since the beginning of the conflict, the Rohingya had been fleeing to Bangladesh. Now, Bangladesh has allowed them to enter, but is by no means capable of supporting them and supporting them to the according to the Asian and Pacific Migration Journal. This openness began to wither away as they concluded that they could not afford to take in the boatloads of refugees. So after some time, they completely shut down their borders. Now that we have sufficient knowledge on the background of the long conflict, we can go into what has been happening recently to reignite the tensions. In May of 2012, three Rohingya were accused of raping and murdering a Buddhist girl. While this may seem like a small, isolated case, it is a classic example of a straw that breaks the camel's back. The following month, mob killed 10 Muslims in retaliation, whom were Rohingya. As a direct result of this attack, 100,000 Rohingya ended up displaced and housed in camps, fearing for, fearing for their safety. Many tragic events and periods throughout history have started from isolated incidents. One example is the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, which ignited World War I. Small moments of conflict occurred for the next year in what culminated to a devastating attack on the Rohingya in March of 2013. Over four days, 43 Rohingya were killed, and witnesses to the attack said the people were calling for a, quote, Muslim extermination, end quote. Buddhist monks, who we have said have, played a historic, have historically played a large role in encouraging unrest within the communities, following the, calls, fo following the calls for extermination, tens of thousands were internally displaced, with many more fleeing to neighboring countries, Bangladesh, Thailand, and Malaysia. Linking to the history we talked about earlier, Monks in Burma have a high moral standing and political clout in the country, making their actions all the more severe. Three years later, in October 2016, the crisis has continued and managed to escalate farther with an attack on the border police killing nine of the officers. The government claimed that the perpetrators were Rohingya, but there is not clear evidence to support this claim. Nevertheless, this attack was used by the government to increase the targeted attacks against the Rohingya. Al Jazeera states that, in quote, the military then began conducting targeted sweeps against the, the terrorists, but forcibly removed thousands of villagers from their homes, end quote. The impetus of the current flood of Rohingya refugees to Bangladesh is an attack by Rohingya insurgents in August of 2017 that resulted in the death of 12 border police officers. This act done by a small group of insurgents resulted in an even harsher campaign on the part of the military against the Rohingya. It is, a, it is an example of a small subsection of a group of people who become extremely radical and end up becoming a prominent face for the group without reflecting them well. The military's campaign caused 25,000 Rohingya to flee to Bangladesh. In the following month, the United Nations recognized this, this crisis as a case of ethnic cleansing. This is essential to the improvement of the situation because with the recognition of an international body, there's validation that the issue matters and must be dealt with. There are numerous examples of similar cases of ethnic cleansing that were not recognized until it was too late. While this recognition is much later than the start of the attacks, there's still time for the international community to respond. 
One month after the August attack, around 400,000 Rohingya had fled to Bangladesh, according to the Global Citizen. More than half of these individuals are children who are vulnerable to the dangers of their environments, not only health dangers, but also of trafficking and abuse. As we said earlier, the election of Aung San Suu Kyi came with the expectation that the nation would become a more democratic and respectful of human rights. But her silence had been shocking to communities all over. In September, she made a statement that she would look into what was going on, and while that is something, it is far from the recognition and action that is needed. In October, the problem of the increasing flow of refugees to Bangladesh is getting more difficult to manage. In one day in October, 10,000 refugees came. In one day. This issue is ongoing right now. 607,000 Rohingya have left Burma since August 25th, and there are well, currently more Rohingya living in Bangladesh than in Burma. Those who have not fled now, Burma are being we must treated. learn from our One collective history to put an end to a crisis that was could only recently able to slip into the Rakhine state and tell the story of those who are currently being persecuted. The biggest thing that he found was that the government had switched from attacking the Rohingya with violence to allowing them to live in crippling conditions without any hope for assistance. As a result, they are dying because they are unable to receive health care and little food. Any foreign aid that is being sent to them is being taken by the Burmese government and held from them. We have now reached the current state of affairs. For the sake of all those afflicted, we hope that their situation improves. Improves. In the meantime, more involvement from nations and international organizations like the United Nations is needed to address this issue before, yet again, it is too late. Thank you for listening to The World As We Don't Know It. This podcast will air new episodes every couple of weeks. We hope you have taken something away from our conversation of Burma. We will leave you with a quote from Nelson Mandela. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Thank you.